Your support helps us bring fresh voices, new voices, and credible voices. Support Mind Podcast by clicking on support the Mind Podcast link on mind.net. You can also write to us at info at mind.net about any other way you would like to support Mindmakers. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Mind Podcast 97.0, your weekly source for news, views, and analysis and analysis of news. This is Adit Kapadia. Yes, I'm back and feeling a little better than what I was last week. Uh, you might hear some intermittent coughing and I'm owning up that it will be me, but I'm doing a lot better. Together with me, uh, Sananda Vashisht and Pramod Kumar Buravalli. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you all? If you guys don't let me talk, I'll open up your secrets. Huh? Ah. Achha, you're going to open up. So, the Rahul Gandhi. So we'll call you Pramod Gandhi today then. and then meet immediately afterwards uh-huh. and, and look like a little schoolboy when uh, being tutored I know then, I mean could so call. but but you want um, you don't want us to sue you that's why you want to say it in the parliament right uh, that's yeah. right uh. mm. Uh, so, uh, I have to ask you, you know, when I was uh, when I was listening to the AIDMK discussion first, I thought when you guys said Sasikala, I thought you were going to talk about the North Indian actress. <laughs> <laughs> and then for people who don't know, look up Shashikala. She was an actress like that. Yeah, she was actually quite good. Uh, uh, was a pretty I think actress. she's retired since the last 11 I years. I think the other so. Shashikala might also be a good actress, but I don't know. Mm. No, she's in company of actresses. Yeah. So, or she spent her life in company of actresses or ex-actresses yeah. so and uh, right now she's surrounded by AIDMK psychophants who are acting very well yeah. I mean uh, uh, but there has to be I, I explain this for more they just start suddenly touching her feet some of them no because uh, there is a reason why Sashikala is uh, being given that exalted position is because they think Mm-hmm. that Jayalalitha passed on all the secrets of individual MLAs. You know, in regional parties or for that matter, mm-hmm. most of the political parties, why will they have that kind of uh, reverence to any specific personality mm-hmm. unless there is a file on them? Yeah. So their assumption right now, the last I talked to, the assumption is Jayalalitha might have given some uh, hint as to where those files are stored. Two people in Indian politics are supposed to have, keep files on everyone except one person. Yeah. And um, Sonia ji and Jailalita ji are supposed to keep files. But both of them <coughs> never had a file on who? Yeah, yes. Correct. Who? Both of them never had a file on one person. Uh, I would say at this point, Vajpayee. No, no Dr. Swami. <laughs> Dr. Swami, I was just about to say, it's not Vajpayee. Both of them, Jailalita and Sonia, no, never had a No, probably Dr. Swami had a USB disk on both of them. So that's why. Uh, that's true. <laughs> so that is why he's like, you have you have physical copies, I have e-copies. I know. So, the thing uh, with Dr. Swami is that no one has a file on him. <laughs> you, never, oh, file hai? you never know because... Dr. Swami has had a, a distinct career in the 70s, yeah. then a very kind of a, a varied career in the mm-hmm. 80s, I am I, holding myself back. Yeah. In the 90s, he was a, much, a little bit much more subdued. Uh, in the 2000s, almost in an activist role, and now he's back again to a little bit more active role. Political role. So his um, uh, journey has been ra- rather yeah, but long. But as as uh, Rahul has uh, evidence of personal corruption against Narendra Modi, <laughs> no one has evidence of personal corruption against Swami. But anyway, this uh, is this is an interesting. Um, but Rahul never came up with anything, right? No, he did not no. come up. Uh, 
and now the winter session is over ashok malik had a line long ago in a piece or a uh, debate discussion as i thought which which i saw where it said that the congress party wants rahul to be the next rajiv or something but rahul gandhi wants to be the next arvind kejriwal yeah so wo i mean that discussion will always remain no, no? i think he I, does not even have arvind kejriwal whatever you think of him i i i have very little opinion mm. i mean very low opinion of arvind mm. kejriwal but be as that me he still took himself from nobody just an irs officer to chief minister of um, delhi with whatever ragtag party he has and whatever uh, people did vote but, for him but but sunanda i think rahul gandhi has no such um success ever no i'm saying that his conventional congress methods have failed so i think yeah. he wants to use the kejriwal approach which is like uh, you know creating this sort of akm what i am telling you is that he is not even he does capable not even have that. the capability of being poor man's kejriwal of course this is a borrowed yeah. idea so i mean yeah. the problem about the gandhis and rahul gandhi is there is absolutely nothing unique or something fresh that he brings to the table yeah except for his uh, fresh jokes yeah. that he unintentionally cracks no because he said um uh, earthquake aa jayega and then mm-hmm. when i give the reveal the news about personal corruption of mm-hmm. uh, the thing is that i feel bad for him who will take him seriously mm-hmm. if he wants to be anything a politician of some stature mm-hmm. and if he ever wants to uh, be known as a leader see when you want to be known as a leader it doesn't matter whether you win elections whether you're in power or you're yeah. not in power but if you want to be be known as somebody who has been public life and if you want to have some stature you need to be able to back up your words you cannot go around saying are that i have um, case of personal corruption against yeah. you you know you can't go around saying and that. championing an issue see championing if it was issue. indeed demonetization mm. even though he might be rich or corrupt yeah. there are several things about demonetization that he can wait patiently yeah. and wait for it to unravel if mm. it were to really unravel But there are so they, many instances <laughs> and i have said this publicly there are so many instances where if the government opposition wanted they could put the government on the mat yeah. they could remember land bill yeah. remember land, land ordinance and they could have easily put the government on the mat on that or if if the demonetization because right now it is very difficult to see the long term um, uh, you know and? Uh, end of what is going to happen to the demonetization so if you really wanted to do that you could do it sensibly and smartly but he does not have the smarts and that's the, a problem and the systemic slowing down of the economy, the economy and the lack of growth the lack of hiring the lack of uh, you know I, i just talked to somebody in the textile business this morning and there is a slowdown all across yeah yeah modi knows so, there, there and is, there is, there is, there is, there is so there are two points to this debate the first point is if you are opposing the government on something you have to stand for something otherwise yeah. what are you opposing them for right, no. right. and the second point is uh, which i wrote a piece on the that you know wanted an opponent for narendra modi yeah ki there is what they are doing is first mamta banerji was your face then kejriwal was your face and rahul gandhi is standing there with 15 mps but none of them are ready to say that he is the leader of the anti bjp movement and let me ask you both this remember when it comes rahul gandhi is a rent a cause guy you know naya cause utha leta hai you know rent oh, oh. do you even do you remember and most people might have forgotten already he took up a cause in bhatta parsol yeah of he course he came in with these rajiv shukla and all these people and this uh, for the farmers ki yahan pe to skeletons are there and kahan gaya wo you, you probably asked him about bhatta parsol he'll be like hey ye kya hai tab to unki abhi sarkar apni sir that's what he wants to play the rebel within and this was not this when manmohan singh was in government this was not even 5 years ago yeah yeah maybe so that's what i'm saying ki 5 saal pehle rahul gandhi ne kya uthaya wo i don't even think he stands for the same things 
ఆల్టర్నేట్ hindu socialism you see pavan pavan verma wrote an op-ed did you see the not the op-ed but i think it yeah, was, op-ed. It was an op-ed, op-ed in times of india in times of india right and the subtle that term, is that is the subtle change subtle of hindu socialism Kumar. that exactly that is the loha that, no, that is the ram manohar lohia line and no this is this, this is interesting about um kabhi bhi kuch soch dekhna ho ki in the political scenario is it right or is it wrong always see what stand uh, nitish kumar takes because he's like exactly. a better man and this is not he, this is not and he knows he's a smart guy nitish kumar is you, not you food. Uh-huh. He's a very can, I, can i use a very interesting term a spin on the hindu social it's not just hindu socialism it's also hindi socialism exactly he's yeah. playing the exactly. hindi belt exactly. politics the up bihar wo he is trying to maximize and get a lion's uh, chunk of that yes. so 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 sometimes when you support the government in power and the, the move is very popular mm-hmm. say for example demonetization mm-hmm. there is another issue the the full prohibition that he is experimenting yeah. and some several of these issues he is doing it in a very subtle manner trying to exploit the mood on the ground and eventually there is still a chance that nitish kumar might become prime minister this is my prediction you know my predictions uh, even for a short time that that is what he wants to do he i don't think he will right now because no in the future i'm not saying right now i don't I, think there I, is I, yeah, i don't think there is a chance no. another reason is because and devagoda will always tell people that when when he chose to go to delhi he lost karnataka Yeah. and he never stands the chance i don't have any i don't so have any similarly for nitish kumar yeah right. my my stand is that i have always considered nitish kumar's politics very very poisonous and i have always considered the politics of 70s because he is not someone who will stand for something yeah. he is a opportunist of the i mean the kind that no india has never seen so his kind of politics has always been poisonous to me i have always said that india was not no india to has oh, sorry, but but what i am saying is among the current lot if there is anybody who has half the brains to stand up to narendra modi it is only nitish kumar with the kind of <coughs> local uh, experience as yeah. a state le- uh, state level administrator mm. yeah. who can send a considerable amount of mps to the parliament and who's and, not a fool and from the hindi him. belt yeah. and from the hindi belt that is a yeah. potent combination, combination these three and who has exposed welfare eco- welfare economics that is yeah. a standard template for any socialist to become elected no, as a and a lighter prime minister you, uh, i have seen weather cocks like nitish kumar they sit in tv studios yeah. of indians and and if you if you want to know how how they change their stance again go back to the landmark bihar election yeah. when when bjp was winning initially and then nitish kumar won and see how the weather yeah. cocks changed their opinion but it's very interesting and i i don't know adit if you are going to allow us to uh, talk about this in uh, another uh, segment but i do want to talk about this a there has been an international meltdown of liberals oh i'm going to talk about that yeah, piece yeah that piece but i also want to talk about the uh, in india 
liberals haven't had a meltdown. They have changed their stance very they conveniently. They have changed their spots very conveniently. Um, this Pavan's article that you were talking about was one of them, Pavan Verma's article. Other pieces also that have been uh, coming around. So these are uh, establishment liberals. No, but liberal, well, they are already always liberal with the truth also. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, when you are liberal, that means you have the flexibility to change. I know. So we'll talk somebody, about that in the yes, next Somebody segment. just came up with a grand theory that <laughs> leftists and Islamists are yeah. in cahoots with each other. No, but, as, if, as if that was discovered. People but, like but, us had been saying that... I, a decade ago. I, I hope we can talk about Bengal also and the larger context of the Indo-Bangladesh. We will in the last segment. Yeah. We will yeah. in the last segment. Now we are going into a very interesting trend, the great mm. liberal meltdown. So first I'm going to start by quoting passages from this fantastic piece that I read on Slate of all the places. It says the rise of the alt-center. You know, alt-right as the term you've made. So he's basically talking about um, the uh, big uh, Eric Garland's 127 tweet thread about what was going on with Russia and Trump and stuff like that. Uh, <coughs> and he calls it fueled by prescription uh, amphetamines and craft beer. Eric Garland wrote this thread according to the author. Uh, now, but then he said this, jokes apart, is like, clearly something horrifying has happened to the America's great liberal intellects. One moment they were all yapping along in the train of a historical political movement. Now ragged and destitute, they want with lolling tongues in search of anything that might explain the new world to them. This is after all how cults get started. Cultists will venerate any messianic mediocrity and any set of half-baked spiritual dogmas. It is not the overt content that matters but the security of knowing. If Trump's devoted hype squad of pustulant um, uh, oligonous neo-Nazis can now be euphemized as the alt-right, then the Eichenwalds and Jeffreys of this world might, might have turned themselves into something similar, an alt-center, pushing its own failed political doctrines with the same vehemence, idiocy and spleen. So it is strange, but not surprising, that so many people would sing praises of the Garland's masterpiece because it's absolutely the worst piece of political writing ever inflicted on any public in human history. You know, uh, <laughs> in the political days, when, uh, in, when during my college days with the ABVP yeah. and then uh, over here in the US uh, for a long period of time with OFBJP, yeah. the big analysis that we were always trying to uh, we were always trying to scratch our heads and trying to find out why there is this cozy connection between atheists and the uh, right, the extreme right. There mm -hmm. is that cozy connection, in, in, not in the sense that, for example, if a particular region has an infestation of communism, mm -hmm. And communism is essentially anti-religion of the day. If yeah. some religion, they all lose their prayers, they lost a war, something happens, a genocide, whatever it is, they all become atheists and naturally communism feeds off of them. Yeah. But actually the organized religion, whether it is Catholicism or any other religion for that matter, revels in the advent of communism because they are not able to provide the answer. Mm. Communism is an interim answer yeah. which eventually they will try to subsume and come back inside the game, mm. which is what they are trying to do with South America now. Mm. You know, the appointment of a South American Pope <coughs> is one such experimentation <coughs> where they want to Correct. go back and try to reoccupy that space. Correct. So uh, I think that is very similar. I think all the all the all the intellectual front they are searching for answers. Mm. Tomorrow, uh, you will be sur not surprised if the Democratic Party also takes a plunge towards the right. You yeah. will not be surprised. That's happened before. It has happened before, yeah. by and, the way. And uh, but what is interesting is world over, and we are seeing as everyone is talking about. Um, well, first I think 
first meltdown will be that all these terms that are left and right and center, these will melt. These will move again. <laughs> my terms, there are only two terms that I want to use and I want to start on my podcast these days. There are only two kinds of people. There are progressive people and there are regressive people. There are only two kinds of people to me. There is only progressive politics and there is only regressive politics. Mm. There is nothing else. Leftists are regressive politics. They That is, they believe in regressive economy. They believe in regressive politics. Then that is the reason why left and Islamists, they are natural friends. They find a lot of common points so that leftists will go and sit in the lap of Islamists, not realizing that once the Islamists turn around, they will finish them off. But that, that kinship, that leftists find and some liberals who call themselves liberal but aren't liberals are really leftists they find this natural kinship and refuge in islamists or islamism these people that is because they're regressive Correct. so regressive will always attract regressive that is why i think that you know there are only two terms every other term should be subsumed no, there are no but i'll tell you something is an exception to that i know you were going to say no 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 that i am coming to that no yeah. question no i actually uh, what you said progressive term that term has been misused by the american left as well they call all of them call themselves as progressives right. but their um, uh, correctness over uh, jihadi terrorism no, and i wouldn't even say correctness that regressive views of jihadi yeah. terrorism infuriates me because yeah. they are not nipping the problem in the bud and they go around contextualizing issues which yeah. don't whoa, and uh, you know which shouldn't be done and actually Bilmar uh, said this on the last uh, show that he had after the election that the two reasons why Democrats keep losing and one of them he called it is the political correctness over Islam. Yeah, and I wouldn't say political correctness over Islam because you cannot be anti-religion or sub, uh, and they should be, but they should be anti-jihadis and the jihadi ideology. Uh, I don't think they should be anti-Islam. No question. Uh, no, you don't have to be anti. No, no, I know. Yeah. So I'm saying I don't, I don't agree with his term saying political yeah. correctness over Islam. Yeah. It should be in fact about over terrorism, which you know, Islamist terrorism. Correct. Uh, th that should be a proper. Term. But overall, there has been. Uh, so, no, yeah. what is an American progressive? On, an American on the left? progressive on the left is somebody who certainly appreciates that the economy had turned leftwards after the Great Depression and is open about it, not talks about free market in every sing single segment. Mm. An American progressive is somebody who understands the investments that have to be made in health and education, which cannot be really yeah. uh, a compromise because when there's watts, watts of population, about 30 to 33 crore population, not everybody can get covered in the private yeah. sector. Mm. So that is, that is the one agreement. The second thing is you have to understand that fanaticism <coughs> and extremism lies in every single political and the uh, theological, uh, uh, theological uh, ideology that exists. Agreed. So you say it openly yeah. that this is what it is. I like Bill Maher because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, he is truly uh, somebody he, right in the center who calls everybody out, whether it's yeah. Christian, Hindu, uh, whether it is Muslim, anybody, either yeah. he gets called. I, I want to and, and one, 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 one last one thing is, is investment into <laughs> science and technology. A progressive is one who mm -hmm. understands that science and technology is not the ultimate but it is an extension of spirituality. See, that is where there is a diversion, divergence between progressism, pro, progressive nature and theism. Theism yeah. is, today you can be a believer. You can be a believer of a God particle or you can be, be a believer Perfect. in God. But please don't make it mutually exclusive of each other. Which for is, all I know, for all I know, my 
belief in Hinduism and so is his belief in Jainism are very similar in acknowledging that science and spirituality are relatively unknown. We only know a little bit of it. Gyan and Vigyan. Gyan and Vigyan. We talk about. Uh, that is this. true American progressive. Yes. And I want to bring it to the Indian context now. I read two pieces this week. Pavan K. Verma that we discussed a little um, while earlier and Rahul Pandita's piece. And you will be Pavan, uh, uh, yes. tweeting that piece. We already, have, we already have. So Pavan Verma by no chance he is a, a political advisor of um, Nitish Kumar and by no means would you call him a right winger, right? No means no. would you call him a, a career uh, diplomat by the way and now um, and advisor of... <laughs> we're talking about current i'm just saying we're talking about current and vajpayee's pm anyway he he rediscovered rajesh mishra i know well he, <laughs> the problem with people like us is we have uh, elephantine memories and then this is what people like pavan verma don't like and we no but we, we all of these are coded uh, this thing what, yeah. what are what are we saying we are saying are we calling him oh, and, 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 are we calling a supply demand a diplomat Adi, no. what is this <laughs> no vinod mehta actually had a, a very huh? funny the vinod mehta huh? the editor of outlook him and pavan verma were uh, debating is that pavan is a fine chap served in vajpayee and translated some of his very bad poetry to english mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what vinod mehta said now i don't think vajpayee's poetry was all that bad it was decent you yeah. know pretty good some of it but it was i just found it quite funny no, so in what english is, what is the other op-ed i was going to talk about pavan verma's <laughs> op-ed and Rahul um, Pandita's offered. Mm-hmm. Well, Pavan Verma is your rent-a-cause liberal. I, I don't take him very seriously. Mm-hmm. But Rahul Pandita, on the other hand, has been a, a liberal moving towards the, you know, shading towards the left. And uh, that's what uh, people think of him anyway. But he, he um, Rahul Pandita wrote a piece that left his dead. He called it left is dead. They have no ideas. They have nothing um, anymore. He wrote an open. Pavan Verma's thing was very, and I actually said the addendum to that, that is that left will not be resurrected again. And another Pavan Verma's piece was very, very interesting. He said, Jawaharlal Nehru in his well-intentioned magnum opus, The Discovery of India, writes that it is wrong and misleading to talk of Muslim invasion of India. Islam did not invade India. It had come to India some centuries earlier. While it is indeed true that Muslim traders, and this is what Pavan Verma is now saying, while it is indeed true that Muslim traders from Arab countries practiced their faith undisturbed in Kerala more than a thousand years ago, it is wrong to believe that the Turkish, Afghani or Mughal invaders who came later did not come as Islamic invaders and proselytizers. See, that is also convenient. But, huh? I'll tell you because he is not talking about Sindh. Sindh faced invasions even Much right. before this. Right. Much before. But he will not say this because that's not convenient. So that is what I'd say that these are all convenient these are all convenient liberals i do not you know i will actually accept um say um, um you know siddharth vardarajan i will take him on in a debate and i'll be happy to take him on Correct. because there he is a leftist who has been who, who, thinks, know, gastro, who, thinks, who gastro. thinks gastro is a world peace keep conscience or conscience keep of the world of the world i will so, never but, forget but that. i have more respect for him than i have for pavan Varma. I have a lot more respect for so I'll um, tell you something. because he does not change his spots. <coughs> he thought that I know he thought that um, Castro yeah. is um, you know messiah of the world. Fine, I accept that, mm. and I will challenge him with my uh, debating skills. But what do you do with the Pavan Karma? Pavan, uh, Pavan, Pavan Varma is good at spotting. <laughs> no, but I know what I mean. Well, that is Nitish Kumar. He's the best at spotting talent. Uh, but I have to tell you, Pavan Verma belongs to the same party 
whose MP or whose leader said Ishrat Jahan is a daughter of Bihar. Yes. Right. We have to uh, the same. So, but only thing I, I I hope Pavan Verma or somebody who knows him is listening to this podcast. I just want to tell Pavan Verma that please don't call Nalanda um, Harvard of Asia. Mm. because it was a uh, lot more than that so that's mm. my only thing about this because he calls nalan the hardwood of asia before we get to our uh, next topic um, i do want to say that this is mind makers production this mind podcast is brought to you by the mind makers team this uh, podcast is produced and edited by adit kapadia with the help of our team in india the panelists for the um, podcast are adit kapadia pramod kumar buravalli and sunanda vashish which is me so yeah that's the interesting part about the great indian liberal meltdown and what uh, what what you said about the jdu think they're all weathercocks but um, one quick thing before we go on to this what you said about american progressive is right now the american left has become left they are losing their balance because yeah they are also caught between the same extreme left or to keep it left of center thing and you have then debate around people like keith hellison whether they should be allowed to lead the dnc or not or whether it should be nancy pelosi should be still their leader so they will come back trump will give them enough fodder to come back so but you have that's... to see if if trump is gone and i think the republican the gop establishment is going to challenge trump in 2020 yeah i don't think trump is going to get a second term just like he that he won't he won't this it's is going just... to be if you saw 2016 as the fireworks yeah. election wait for 2020 and yeah. so that infighting itself will give them the avenue to come back to power and when you are in power you know you can and there was this yeah. funny snl skit two weeks ago where uh, keenan thompson was playing something and uh, he was saying mr trump uh, so it's only seven weeks to go and then keenan thompson goes like whoa he's like what happened he's like i've never heard that put in weeks before <laughs> <laughs> so four weeks from now uh, trump takes over as the uh, as the commander-in-chief of, of us or the president of united states i just wanted to put commander in chief but you have to talk about the other meltdown no no so i'm coming i'm coming to that so i'm coming to the chiefs now in india so the other meltdown was that the government superseded two army chiefs and appointed the new chief of armed forces along with the chief of raw ib and chief of air force yes four appointments very strategic points and the most discussed was the chief of armed forces where the government superseded two officers yes and the the main problem was Bipin Rawat is now the chief of army staff. He'll take over on 31st December. And he is vice chief of army <coughs> staff right now, Lieutenant General Bipin Rawat. Correct. And the main problem with a lot of people was that uh, he superseded uh, two people and uh, they made it into an issue that the second person that he superseded, uh, General PM Harris, mm-hmm. was a Muslim. And so they're like, Modi is blocking a Muslim from being a uh, Indian army chief. Now, I have to say... Please, I want to interject you. Please say who said it. Congress. Congress. Oh, Congress. Yes. Shehzad Punawala, Tehsin Punawala. It is, it is and shameful. It is shameful. Shameful that they should bring religion into this. No, no. I am t- telling the names of the the Punawala brothers and all yeah, them, sir. Yeah. And Shivaroor actually tweeted saying, I'll be amazed if Congress agrees with these dunces. Or idiots, mm-hmm. I think is was his term. Mm-hmm. But I forget. It's uh, Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But anyways, my point being... First of all, the superseding has a precedence. In 1983, Indira Gandhi did do did supersede. And so they are saying, then this would be, but if they, because he did not want a Muslim to be a chief, they superseded too. I don't even want to discuss this because the minute you vote 
a government into power, it has certain privileges and it is government's prerogative to choose, make certain appointments. That is what you choose the government for. The government of the day makes the, chooses the right people in the right place and the kind of intelligence they have and the kind of information that the government of the day and you and I don't have I, I, I will tell you, after hmm. the 71 war, <coughs> at the peak of General Sam Manikshaw's success when he was elevated to field marshal field and after his retirement, uh, Indira Gandhi superseded and got General Bebur to be the army chief. Yes. Uh, above and beyond, another highly decorated officer. Nobody asked any questions because when you are leading in army and the army has certain goals, both political goals and objectives based on territory that it will have to guard, it will have to occupy or whatever it is. And right after that and after the Shimla agreement, it was required and Indira Gandhi was an absolute astute politician. You have to give her that. And she knew that somebody who has a little bit more softer touch than Man Maniksha would be required and Bevur filled it very uh, exceptionally well. So there have been instances where the political objectives of the day have to be met with the personality and the background. Now General Rawat is an infantryman. Infantryman mm. is somebody who is a foot soldier who walks and uh, goes one mission after the other. Okay. They are not artillery, they are not cavalry, they are not um, anybody that is in mm. the special forces. So there is certain training that is required. General Rawat has training and also experience exclusively in the jungle warfare of the Northeast, which is a very high priority area. And Kashmir. And Kashmir. So these are two areas where they, um, there is some uh, political objective there. Mm. Now the Air Force Chief. There is, when, when these appointments are, are done, and some of them are done collectively, some of them are... One thing that these uh, people from Congress were missing all along mm. is the crucial appointment that they should have really concentrated on is the CDS. Mm. The Chief of Defense Staff, just like there is a uh, super intelligence chief in the NSA, mm. the IB, the uh, the IB of, of course reports to the Home Ministry, but the RAW, there are several other intelligence agencies that report to the NSA. <coughs> Similar to that, the defense services also have to work in unison. The Navy cannot have an aircraft carrier somewhere in Andaman, Nicobar Islands when Pakistan is attacking on the western coast. So there should be unison and that unison is brought about when a CDS is appointed. Now, I would have been extremely happy if a responsible opposition said that why is the CDS not being appointed? Mm. Is it too political? Can you spill the beans? Can you mm. talk about the, the, the wranglings between Navy not being wanting to be subs subservient to our air? But they uh, didn't say this. They brought in the Muslim issue. Yeah. Which is, which is so pathetic. You, you, are, you are expecting Congress to be factual and logical. Both of them are... Uh, no, but I don't I think Congress has spoken officially about it. You, you, I don't think Congress you should sees. take them. Congress hasn't spoken. They haven't spoken. Yeah, I, I frankly will be surprised if yeah. that is the angle that Congress takes as well. Yeah. As crazy as I mean uh, they have been in mm. the past days. But I, I doubt if they will do that. If I they have any political uh, See, there are some institutions that are above, way, way above politics. The Indian Army is definitely an institution like that. Yeah. It's very. But I do want to say that Lieutenant General Rawat has sixty uh, has ten years experience in counterinsurgency operations and also was posted on line of control. Mm. He was involved in 1986 Operation Eastern Sector facing China. He was also posted in Pulwama in Kashmir, the 90 Division, 1986. And I also want to say that I have no information as of now that his grandfather was a BJP MLA. <laughs> BJP MP because uh, BJP was only formed in 1980. So I, I, I don't think his grandfather would have served as BJP. And same goes with, and he, the, same goes with the raw appointment. Yeah. The chief of raw, Dasmana, 
was a 1981 IPS cadre from Madhya mm. Pradesh and who was known for fighting the uh, cartels in uh, Bhopal so in Indore. Let me ask you this: and Is this a Kashmir-centric appointment issue? No, see, and, and, Dasmana and, and, is a Balochistan mm, expert. Yeah, yeah. Naturally, you know, you have to find <coughs> the persons who will be able to carry forward certain political objectives and, 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 set by the political authority. And the, see, these might not be uh, pertaining to strategic objectives now, but there could be certain plans in the future. And, and the army officers are not complaining they are so professional no, they seen. might become sunanda ji some of them get appointed as gen, uh, the the ambassadors some yeah. of them are given appointments within military intelligence right. all of these people don't Aray, you should see after these general uh, atah hasnain's timeline that a couple of officers general harus i think served under him yeah. and he said that you know knowing him he probably might is not even bothered about the silly criticism on twitter but then again that's the problem of yeah. I, 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 as yeah. i said i do not want to spend even a, even 2 minutes talking about uh, this because it hurts me it just really yeah. pains no, me and, and frankly you have uh, over here in us you have a ceo of exxon being appointed as a secretary of state if i don't know i don't even know what if something like that happened in india like the ceo of bharat petroleum was appointed the minister of external yeah. affairs tab kya hoga i mean for, this is a comp- public company but anyways so that uh, that is the thing so let's come to a very uh, so this is this marks 16th december uh, just passed by and that marks as vijay divas uh, 40 the biggest victory indian military has seen for a long long period of time how unified m- indian military how many years 45 years this uh, is the 45th anniversary this, this 1971 is, yes, right 45 years since uh, we've liberated bangladesh and it was a 13 day quick war and but the planning of which started about 8 to 9 months prior because of the uh, mm. pouring in of bangladeshi refugees mm-hmm. and uh, indira gandhi for whatever her negatives are she did a spectacular job in giving full freedom to the army chief the navy chief and everybody else to plan this properly without any support except for, for support from soviet union which uh, again is a larger topic i think one of these days we should talk about the kissinger uh, bubble that we burst we were very successful in uh, getting his gunboat diplomacy sunk in the bay of bengal you know as i call it the uss enterprise streaming in with this huge seventh fleet and the soviets trailing them and they you know with their nuclear submarines and and the americans were basically you know feeling really worsted but anyway this is a spectacular victory because we had ni- uh, we had barely about 3000 casualties mm. we fought a two front war we were also prepared to fight a thir- third front <laughs> war in <laughs> china if chinese front really opened up we inflicted about 9000 casualties about 90000 prisoners of war mm. surrendered before general uh, arora and uh, in, js arora that uh, picture in, is that picture is, is my uh, this thing i feel proud because i was born on december 16th oh. i can never be happier with that day mm. Mm. and uh, after and such and a, people, i have tears in my eyes because You, know, you you don't plan this how do you plan to be born on december 16 on on a lighter note he was uh, he was not born on 1971 he is a lot younger than bangladesh uh, yes. so no but i know no matter what, when you talk of bangladesh as if you were there uh, we just need to tell our um, uh, listeners and that you were not even born there uh, but that's okay uh, you you i was were, not you were and, born uh, much later much later. <laughs> and uh, the agony that uh, people suffered in bangladesh hmm. is folklore Hmm. and uh, and indira gandhi has spoken about and, it there uh, are there are wonderful <laughs> videos that people can talk when her interview with bbc uh, yeah yeah, yeah. No, and i posted uh, something i was trying to do it on twitter i couldn't uh, uh, post it there is this 2 uh, minute uh, documentary <coughs> of the entire yeah. uh, sequence of uh, how indian army uh, went in from different angles and uh, was assisted ably by uh, 
Mukti Bahini and also by Indian Navy. There is this cohesion that happened. You know, remember in 1962 and 65, people were commenting that our other forces were not not able to were not able to fully work in unison. But this is one example of spectacular victory that is not given that much importance in the world because we we had five five lakh troops if I remember right the numbers. And the Pakistani troops were not far behind. No. Today there is a huge. Uh, and remember, advantage. remember, we were coming. This is only what six years after sixty-five. Yeah. When we had we not, were, we had not done any spectacular um, uh, winning or comprehensive victory. Thanks to Russia, thanks to Japan for siding with India in delivering the nation of Bangladesh, which is turning its. Uh, uh, you know, basically tied towards uh, uh, going away from Islamism. Hopefully, uh, we wish them uh, luck. And I'm going to bring. I'm going to bring two points of the seventy-one war in just yeah. a minute. So there are two people that should be remembered. One for all the good reasons. One for all the bad reasons. One is General Sam Manekshaw for the phenomenal planning, insight, and thing he gave. India owes him a debt of woe. And the other chap was called the Butcher of Bangladesh, called General Tikka Khan. I don't know if. Everyone listening to the podcast has read about him or heard him. Look him up and see the kind of under his watch what sort of crimes were committed. He, he was he was he was called the butcher of Bangladesh, right? Yes. And and it was in the Pakistani army uh, was the uh, commanding officer there and stuff. And un, so many intellectuals were murdered, professors were killed, traders, a lot of Hindus were uh, massacred as well. Lots of women were raped. I mean, it was horrifying. The Bangladesh and, and the fact that everyone was quiet and not looking towards Pakistan's atrocities in Bangladesh, which was a cold, um, cold war um, remnant or I don't know, because it was in the middle of thick world war. Uh, but the, I have no idea. The, why the world turned blind to uh, the United Nations on. wants to broker peace between India and Pakistan on Kashmir, but does not even <coughs> look at the real genocide that happened in recent times. Three million people were butchered, butchered yeah. by Bangladesh, uh, the, by the by the uh, Pakistani regime that was retreating, and uh, countless women uh, raped, and the the kind of property damage. Bangladesh still has some memory about that. India yeah. is fast. Uh, uh, I think losing, losing. Uh, but that, there is uh, another thing memory. that I would like to mention also, and a battle that is not mentioned, which happened right around the same time, was the Battle of Longewala, because mm. Pakistan opened yeah. the Western Front as well yeah. yes. and tried to attack with two thousand odd people, and India was left guarding with a hundred odd people, the hundred hundred and twenty soldiers or something. Right. Uh, soldiers fought the entire night with very limited casualties and then Indian Air Force came and bombed the living shit out of the Pakistani yeah, tanks. Pardon my language, but I have no say. I'm a complete jingoist when today, it comes to in war. In the famous battles, there, there is no mention of these famous uh, battles like the Khemkaran battle, the Longawala Longa battle, battle, the bombing of Karachi by the Indian Navy. That is why, why I feel pain. And some, to some extent, I really appreciate what Rajiv Malhotra is doing, although the methods are very huh. different. Uh, that he is bringing to light the forgotten history, the the for, uh, the the memory of the world minus India. Mm. How can they not, not talk about anything that has happened in that South Asian subcontinent? So Sanjeev selective. Sanyal does that also, and Sanjeev Sanyal says that you know you kind of think that before. Um, you know, even and he does not talk about modern history. He talks about um, <coughs> uh, uh, you know ancient history, and he thinks that before British discovered us or before anybody invaders came, 
Indians did these, uh, you know, scores of people living on Indian continent did nothing. <laughs> you know, they achieved nothing. They did nothing. No, so and and I was I was uh, I I had read the uh, the Ocean of Churn, but there were a couple of excerpts. I was last night. I was just referring them back to because I was debating something with someone, and uh, I was very fascinated by the amount of discoveries he said we made in the Bronze Age yeah. or the kind oh. of achievements in Bronze Age. It was very interesting. So oh, Dr. Raj Vedam uh, and. Uh, Nilesh, all of these people are now espousing this, uh, mm. this whole And that's one thing. reason why um, I want to plug mind makers here. But I, you know, Ooh. it's a shameless plug. But I want to say this is one of the reasons why mind makers, a platform like mind makers, was even conceived and is now existing because we want to give you know stories we want to give platform to these stories which uh, brings me to another an announcement i think in three or four weeks mindmakers will have a completely new look website absolutely so, we've been working on it our, our not me i should you. not take any credit for it but our team Adit. in hyderabad uh, adit along with adit um our uh, technical team along with adit have been working very very hard and um, it's uh, it's a look it's, i the, i have seen the look and it looks amazing and so i can't all, wait for all, everyone all else all the to concerns see that people have uh, had have been addressed as well yes. so i'm happy to it's a, it's a good but i'm not going to say anything but this was a good point to make and probably around our 100th episode is when it will be launched so <clears throat> but website is only one part of what we do yes and, and, and i have to tell another thing also yeah. uh, our 100th episode is coming and next week we have some interest next starting next year we have some interesting new developments in podcast but for our 100th episode if there is any specific topic that you guys would like us to discuss uh, tell us if we'll have more requests on one topic we might do a full discussion or we'll do a brief discussion on it and stuff let us know and then we can put in like if we get three or four suggestions we'll put them out to poll um, so and uh, before we go into and now we're going to go into recommendations what you said about battle of Longewala, you know it's going to be kind of silly i'm going to say it but it has been documented very well in only one place jp Dutta's border He's made Although the casualties were exaggerated. Exaggerated. Only two people. But I mean, cinematic liberties. Uh, still, I mean... Uh so uh, it but uh, and of course there was sunny day also you had to show some <laughs> little bit of you know that which but it's it's a, it's a fun film to watch so uh, w watch that movie just to know how the battle of longewala was and very interestingly sunny day's character kuldeep singh chandpuri got i think the paramvir chakra if i'm not mistaken after the battle of longewala right From i don't think pvc was not given i think he did, certainly did get awarded really uh, very high uh, military honor yeah. hmm. uh, but again my um, my thing is this week being the week of the December 16th and the world and especially the western world takes pride in creating nations create changing regimes and all that India created a nation, nation. without any support from anybody in the world the Long nation is becoming trying to become a progressive Islamist and nation think about what we were um, going through at that time we had won our independence in 1947 mm. yeah this is 1971 and by <coughs> that time we had already fought two wars with Pakistan already exactly. and one with China, and just and one with China. sorry it was not PVC it was Mahavir Chakra right. that he was yeah. awarded so PVC so is usually posthumous. Posthumous. I'm sorry. I'll take that back. For but, very uh, high, uh, uh, yeah. uh, Kuldeep Singh Chandpuri for his uh, battle leadership in the yeah. famous battle of Longewala. He was awarded the Mahavir Chakra by the government of so India. So we had already fought with. We were going through some huge economic crisis yeah. um, at home. Yeah. So something that people will not even think about. And then Indira Gandhi for all. I mean, I have um, I criticize her for um, nine out of ten things. But here she deserves all the um, praise hmm. for. 
thinking that for hearing the call she is right winger smadurga <laughs> don't give that uh, because she could have always said this is not my fight this is not my did, battle did, this did, she could have always said did, did so did vajpayee say it or not even if he didn't say it i, I will say he, it over uh, and over again she uh, did what was impossible no, and no. at that time when we were going through economic trauma we still went ahead and did it we have no regret and we will continue to create nations out of pakistan <laughs> spoken like a true sanghi an sanghi an sanghi so sunanda you tell me your recommendation for this okay week. i have a beautiful recommendation and it is about what we are talking right now uh the only book mm-hmm. that i have read about um uh, bangladesh genocide and east pakistan genocide not really i should say east pakistan genocide before uh, bangladesh was made is gary bass's the blood telegram yes. i cannot recommend it more it oh is God, a yeah. phenomenal phenomenal unputdownable book and you have to read the entire thing is the blood telegram nixon kissinger and a forgotten genocide everyone must read this book if you really want to understand what happened in uh, east pakistan and what india did in 1971 i, I would just say that uh, my recommendation is to go back and uh, go on youtube and and uh, try your best to see these videos that were there um, there are several war books i can recommend one that was written recently we've done a, a review also by um, Uh, air vice marshal arjun subramanian who is still in service mm-hmm. he has written an excellent book on the wars between 1947 and 1971 it's called uh, a military history of india's wars by arjun subramanian mm-hmm. 1947 to 1971 so, which includes the war in 1970 i have a very interesting recommendation i've been reading this book called dial d for dawn or something like uh, i think yeah it is dali for on it's written by um, uh, neeraj kumar the uh, the police ex um, uh, commissioner and he was he he has written about different what uh, the yeah dial d for dawn inside stories of cbi uh, case missions so neeraj kumar who was mm-hmm. the, in, in the cbi uh, uh, in delhi not the police commissioner i'm sorry and it was on you know daud ibrahim ka kya chal raha hai and stuff like that now i'm in middle of reading it so i can give you a complete review of it but i want to recommend a uh, excerpt of uh, the book where which talks about abdul latif latif the reason i'm talking about it is that uh, shahrukh khan's movie rais which is allegedly based on abdul latif the dreaded gangster of ahmedabad the city i grew up in he he was shot when i was growing up i was i was quite young 8 to 10 years old when 8 i think 8 years old but i have heard many stories about his extortions is is illicit liquor business and the kind of you know thuggery and uh, reign of terror that he and a lot of people allege that he was daud ibrahim's point man in ahmedabad and in 97 he was shot now uh, the, the the jury is still out on whether rais was based on him or not and uh, there is a controversy going on whether shahrukh khan's character is based on latif or not but read about what uh, what neeraj kumar has to write about latif and read about why latif was so dreaded i, I have to tell you a very interesting thing uh, in the 90s elections and stuff uh, harin pandya by election from elis bridge latif was the main issue that was elis bridge is my constituency in ahmedabad so i know a couple of things about it 
it. But, but I wonder why this infatuation uh, of Shah Rukh Khan with this. Name? No, but I have to tell you this. It's not just Shah Rukh Khan. Okay, I, and I'm no fan of his because I, I find but this. Who produced this movie? Are this Farhan Akhtar? And, uh, but I have to tell you. No, I have to tell you this. But that is an Hindi cinema. No, 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 no. Cinema all over the world has fascination. Glorified with, gangsters uh, and and not just Shah Rukh Khan. Amitabh Bachchan glorified Haji Mustan in Dubai. Yes. So did Ajay Devgan in Once Upon a Time in Mumbai. So did Akshay Kumar. Well, when he uh, played uh, Amitabh Bachchan played a character called Don in the film Don, where Don was being and, and so did Shah Rukh Khan. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so no, but no, but I have to tell. Do I agree with Pramod? What he said. This, there is this thing glorification. And Amitabh Bachchan played Sarkar. He was a gangster too. Yeah. You know why I asked who the producer is, right? Yeah. Why? Who is his regular producer? His, ah, he's, 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 he must be is one of his uh, co-producers. But regardless, that doesn't matter. I think cinema all over. We can discuss this. Right. That why does cinema all over the world glorify gangsters? Mm. That is a debate worth I, I, having. I used the, I, I used the, earlier we were talking about and I used the word Don Corleone, right? Yeah. Godfather. What is that glorification yeah. of so a gangster? That's what I'm saying. You can say that the cinema world over glorifies them, but to single out Shah Rukh Khan is probably not the right thing to do. Ah, but the, no. But I'll tell you. But I have troubles when Abdullah is glorified. I have troubles with all gangsters but primarily because of what things I've heard, I've seen because what he's is so, done to the city, to so my city. and maybe it's it's a personal thing about me that I uh, am that citizens of Ahmedabad will relate to but that's that's my perspective. Anyways, it brings us to the end of the podcast. Like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter. We'll do a detailed discussion on Raiz and Abdul Latif as we get closer to the uh, uh, movie or if, if someone has seen the movie if we read more about it. But uh, till then uh, keep writing to us at Mindmakers we'll be back with new uh, new podcast episode next week. Till then it's goodbye from the team in Houston. Thanks.